Thank you very much, uh, Andy, and uh, thanks for the invitation, and it's uh, really nice to be here. Um, even though I'm not a scholar of peace studies, um, uh, it's a really fascinating topic, um, and I, I see uh, faith, environment, and development uh, having a certain role uh, to play um, in, in this topic. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to talk about the interconnections across uh, faith, um, environment, uh, and development, um, and acknowledge that there are uh, conflicts uh, that are inherent uh, to um, uh, even outside and, and within uh, faiths, uh, but that there are possibilities for uh, cooperation and therefore uh, finding uh, peace. Uh, so this uh, infographic about the relationship between um, climate change, um, resource scarcity, uh, and conflict uh, forms the backdrop uh, to what I'm going to say. Um, and. Um, uh, this really touches upon uh, environment, uh, development, um, and, and conflict, um, and, and faith uh, is often seen uh, as a driver of uh, that, that, that conflict, uh, particularly the militant versions of certain religions um, like Islam have been uh, pointed um, as promoting um, a kind of uh, conflict. Um, so the relationship uh, suggests that uh, as the global temperatures uh, rise uh, and as the environmental degradation ensues, um, this will lead to scarcity of resources, and that scarcity um, will lead to conflict. Um, of course, the, the relationship between scarcity and conflict is not as straightforward, and the scholars have questioned uh, this relationship as well. Uh, but in general, uh, historical uh, uh, data and, and contemporary um, wars and conflicts, uh, such as the one in Syria, um, uh, suggest that uh, uh, faith uh, is, is something that has uh, been, uh, been a driver of these conflicts. So I'm going to present a very different um, side of faith, and I'm going to suggest that um, uh, in fact, faith uh, can be a, a force uh, for positive uh, and good, uh, as opposed to, to uh, something that drives conflict. Um, I'm going to suggest that uh, there are moral frameworks um, that uh, each faith, environment, and development uh, follow, uh, and that there are overlaps uh, in these moral uh, frameworks. Uh, and so uh, the, the, the best way or the most positive way forward is to work uh, with those shared moral frameworks across um, uh, faith, environment, uh, and, and development. Um, so uh, when I say faith, I take a very broad view of faith that includes uh, mainstream faiths, uh, alternative faiths, indigenous faiths, um, and, and a wide variety of practices, the cultural traditions that go along with uh, those different uh, faiths. Um, and so I'm interested in cultural traditions that are associated uh, with these faiths um, and how they pro promote positive um, uh, environmental um, uh, outcomes as well as positive development um, outcomes. Um, uh, by environmental conservation, I mean um, the particular focus on conserving uh, biodiversity and saving um, non-human uh, species um, on a planet that's perhaps dominated uh, by, by humans and their own uh, concerns. Um, and so um, it, it's about moral obligation to save other species and to protect uh, other species and create um, a, an, an equal home uh, for them. Um, and uh, the moral framework for development is really about um, helping uh, other human beings and uh, to uh, the, the moral goal of lifting uh, fellow human beings uh, out of poverty. Um, so I see these moral frameworks uh, overlapping uh, in many uh, places, and this is what uh, I'm going to um, build on. 
Um, this is not to say that there are no uh, conflicts um, across the, uh, these moral frameworks um, and, and the sort of missions of each of these um, faith, environment, and, and development goals. Um, and I see that there are three uh, main conflicts that uh, arise um, and, and they uh, play a major role uh, in how um, uh, faith, environment, and development um, often um, uh, fail uh, or, or, or struggle to interact with, with each other. Um, and so differences in worldviews um, is, is the, the first uh, conflict where uh, people of faith um, and uh, people who promote secular environmental conservation or secular international development um, often have to confront with each other. Um, and and um, so, so these differences in uh, worldviews between people of faith and uh, people who consider themselves secular uh, come into play. Uh, there are conflict between, uh, the conflicts between identities, uh, so even between different faiths, um, they, there are different approaches to, to looking at the environment and development, and they uh, come into play uh, as well. Uh, and then uh, within faiths, there are divergent attitudes and behaviors that um, often um, uh, come into play um, in looking at these interactions. Um, so starting with the differences in worldviews, perhaps they go back to um, Charles Darwin's um, theory of evolution and its challenge uh, to Calvin's Christian uh, theology. Uh, so Darwin really displaced the notion that humans um, as the center of the world and uh, environment created uh, for, for, their, um, uh, for, for their own uh, good. Um, and and uh, that uh, divide between um, secular and uh, religious uh, has continued uh, to, to date. Um, and so organizations that consider themselves secular uh, often uh, struggle to interact with or, or appreciate um, the organizations that, that uh, are, are faith-based. Um, conflicts between identities uh, manifest in, in development project as well. Uh, so where um, development organizations are concerned about um, one faith proselytizing the, the others uh, or denigrating other faiths, um, there is suddenly a kind of reaction uh, away uh, from engaging with, with, the, the, with the faith um, traditions. Um, and uh, similarly, within um, faiths themselves, there are co contrasting uh, attitudes uh, and behavior. So um, sacred grows uh, is something that um, uh, Hindu nationalists um, are very proud uh, about. Um, and yet, um, the middle class um, Hindus are environmentally um, quite irresponsible um, in, in their everyday uh, lives. Uh, so uh, it, it's a sort of divide between the rhetoric uh, within, even within one faith uh, and, the, and the actual practices um, within that, that faith um, that uh, suggest uh, these conflicts. Um, but I'm going to suggest that uh, going beyond these conflicts, there are several opportunities for, for cooperation um, uh, across organizations that work with people of faith, um, uh, environmental concerns, uh, and international development uh, concerns. Uh, and so I'm going to uh, discuss a number of examples where uh, this cooperation can uh, be brought about. Um, so one argument that um, uh, is, is put forward is that um, uh, there is um, a greater connection between the, the so-called compassionate capitalists, um, uh, the likes of uh, um, Andrew Liveris, the CEO of Dow Chemicals, uh, who have committed 
um, 10 million dollars uh, every year to the Nature Conservancy to promote their environmental conservation projects. Um, and the, the likes of Bill Gates, uh, the Bill Gates Foundation, um, which uh, pr supports um, international development projects uh, across the world. Uh, and so one argument is that uh, if um, uh, environment, uh, secular environmental and development organizations find it easy to form partnerships with these large um, uh, corporations and their philanthropic uh, wings, um, why, why can they not um, look at uh, faith-based organizations as also uh, similar partners in, in what they um, do? Um, so uh, faith environment partnerships, for example, um, could be based on um, what some people have described as uh, the idea of stewardship, which is central to many um, religious um, uh, concepts. Uh, and the concept of planetary stewardship is something that um, environmental scientists have also uh, promoted. Uh, so that, that, that's a shared uh, moral framework uh, on which these partnerships could be uh, based. Uh, similarly, um, the history of several development um, organizations suggests that they have their roots um, in, um, in, in faith-based uh, um, um, uh, thought or, or, or motivation. So um, Aga Khan Development Network uh, or, or Oxfam um, started by University, Oxford University, Vicar, Cannon, um, Milford, um, and Hindu Aid, the Hindu organizations in the UK um, who have come together to support um, development um, activities. Um, if it's the large uh, finances that um, uh, environment uh, and development organizations are after, then, then faiths um, also are, are very uh, financially buoyant in, in some ways. So um, there are some staggering figures around about uh, uh, interfaith investment groups, um, investments being at uh, seven uh, trillion dollars. Uh, um, and so that uh, is really intriguing um, for, for me. Um, and so there are uh, various reasons why um, faith-based organizations and environment and development organizations could um, work uh, together or, or partner. Uh, there are other um, uh, suggestions that um, uh, faith um, provides a, a sort of moral compass to distinguish between what is good and what is evil and what is right and what is wrong. Uh, and that uh, is something um, that um, organizations working in environment and development uh, can, can um, uh, engage with. Um, also, mass support is another uh, key uh, factor. There are four billion people around the world um, that follow one or the other faith. Uh, and so there's a large body of people um, whose um, beliefs already make them um, pro-environment and pro-development. Uh, and these shared um, uh, concepts and ideas could, could be built um, uh, with. Uh, and then there are community-based practices, such as mainly in indigenous uh, traditions and, and, and faiths, but also in uh, mainstream faiths that uh, promote environmental conservation uh, and international development. Um, so uh, moral compass, um, uh, mainly in mainstream faiths, but also in other faiths, um, uh, distinguish between what is good, what is evil, what is right, what is wrong. Uh, this is a, a, a picture of Hajj uh, pilgrimage, um, really a metaphor for the, for the large uh, mass of humanity that uh, uh, follows uh, one or the other uh, faith. Uh, and, uh, in term, uh, and that mass support then translates um, in different uh, examples around the world. Um, so this is um, a Catholic priest called Edilberto Senna uh, started a radio station uh, in Brazil in 2001 uh, and he has a, um, 
half a million listeners, uh, and, and uh, they campaign uh, to save the Amazon forest uh, from uh, ranchers or loggers or uh, mineral uh, companies. Um, so this radio station has really been pivotal in reaching out uh, to, a, to a mass uh, of, of people. Um, similarly, um, Islam, uh, Islamic practices in, in um, uh, Tanzania um, uh, prevent uh, any sort of damaging uh, fishing uh, activity. Uh, so dynamite fishing destroys um, up to 25% of life on the seabed and it um, uh, severely uh, impoverishes the, the uh, seabed ecosystem. Um, and so uh, prevention of um, uh, dynamite fishing through the Islamic Foundation for Ecology and Environmental Sciences has um, uh, sort of declared this area as a, as a hema or a sacred space um, according to Islam. Uh, and that uh, promotes a more environmentally friendly practice of fishing but also provides sustainable livelihoods um, to the uh, population uh, in question. Um, similarly, uh, Buddhist practices of tree ordination in, in Cambodia have, have promoted uh, forest conservation uh, in a very unconventional way. Uh, so the monks go around the forest and tie saffron cloths around trees, uh, which um, um, really scares loggers away because they don't want to um, sort of mess with uh, the, the, the saffron cloth, which has um, several uh, spiritual and religious uh, connotations. Uh, and so that practice, um, in addition to the practice of planting trees, uh, has promoted forest conservation uh, in, in Cambodia. Um, there are sacred sites around the world, uh, and uh, this is something that I have um, uh, done research uh, on. Uh, and they are on all um, uh, continents across uh, the world. Uh, and uh, they are uh, spaces which um, have cultural, spiritual, or religious uh, values. Uh, and these spaces promote conservation of uh, uh, species uh, and nature and, and biodiversity within uh, them. Um, there's a wide uh, range of sizes and shapes that these sites uh, come in, uh, and they uh, protect a variety of um, uh, biological species uh, uh, that, that form part of the biocultural diversity, but also have uh, cultural traditions associated with these spaces that, that promote um, environmental uh, conservation. Um, there are resource and habitat uh, taboos that are associated with sacred um, sites. Um, and I'm uh, going to look at some of the examples where uh, there are restrictions on who can withdraw a resource uh, from these, these areas or when the resource is accessed or what methods are used to access the resource, uh, what life history stages uh, of animal, uh, animals are, are the species withdrawn at. Uh, which species are uh, protected and which habitats are restricted. Uh, and all this together uh, manifests in protection of biocultural um, diversity. Um, so in um, um, central India, um, there uh, is a practice of um, uh, initiation uh, among young um, adult males. Uh, and that initiation ceremony requires uh, the bark of a certain tree. Uh, and that tree, Shoria robusta, is an endangered species. Um, and so without these cultural traditions or practices, um, that uh, species would have long gone um, because of uh, logging uh, and, and um, uh, demand for, for timber from this uh, species um, in, uh, across the world. Uh, in uh, the Romanian Carpathians, 
uh, people observe something called the uh, days of the bear. Um, and these are certain days in a year, usually around the breeding season of brown bear, um, where uh, people go and put um, honey and, uh, and, and steak in the forest. Uh, and that uh, is something that um, um, bears um, thrive on uh, during the breeding season. Um, and, and that uh, promotes conservation of the, of the brown bear um, in this part of the, uh, of the Carpathian Mountains. Uh, and brown bear, um, as it happens, is an, is an endangered species in, in Europe. And so uh, preserving these pockets of brown bear habitat um, really create opportunities for their um, future survival. Um, there are method uh, taboos, um, the, the means uh, through which uh, people uh, harvest resources and the restrictions on those means. Um, so in um, uh, Vanuatu Island in the middle of Pacific, uh, there is a practice um, of um, uh, fishing with bows and arrows, um, and so that uh, prevents destructive uh, fishing um, in, in this part of the world. Uh, life history taboos are also uh, commonly in practice, so uh, this is an um, uh, example of um, um, a hunting tribe uh, from central uh, western India, uh, and they um, sell bushmeat uh, products in their local uh, market but they have um, their own restrictions on when, uh, at, at which time of the year uh, can uh, bushmeat be taken out uh, and uh, what life history stages uh, can bushmeat, bushmeat be, be taken out. So uh, when the um, certain species of deer um, are in the breeding season, uh, there are uh, restrictions across the community in, in, uh, uh, in harvesting uh, these species. Um, species specific taboos include um, one um, such, as, such as this one uh, on, on a, bat, a species of bat called flying fox. Uh, and so uh, on one island uh, in uh, Tanzania, um, the, the trees are full of colonies of these flying foxes, um, a, a species of frugivorous bat. Uh, and so uh, having a, a taboo on its harvest um, has created an opportunity for this, this species to, to thrive um, when, when elsewhere it is uh, endangered and being harvested for um, um, particularly for, for oil from its body fat. Um, habitat taboos such as uh, sacred forest groves are also common uh, across the world um, and I have done some work on Indian uh, sacred groves uh, and, and they um, are really thriving centers of biodiversity um, and um, um, they, they uh, surprisingly harvest um, uh, or, or harbor species that um, um, are, are not found elsewhere um, and um, are, are unique to those uh, habitat. Um, so Andy mentioned at the beginning about ecosystem services and the kind of um, um, uh, use of nature as the main discourse uh, in contemporary environmental uh, conservation. Uh, and the reason to save nature is really because nature provides uh, services. Uh, and I have um, uh, suggested in the paper that um, um, this, this framework really needs to be re-examined um, and uh, stripped back to um, uh, the, the kind of original foundation for uh, or motivations for environmental conservation. Uh, and so it's possible uh, to go back to uh, the five elements of nature uh, which really feature um, across indigenous and mainstream um, uh, faiths. Uh, and go back um, to, to the origins of uh, these ideas and perhaps then um, map uh, cultural provisioning, supporting and regulating um, services as they are described in contemporary environmental thought 
um, on, on these um, fu fundamental properties um, of, uh, of, of um, Earth system. Um, so, drawing together some thoughts about peaceful coexistence between um, uh, faith-based traditions, environmental conservation, and international um, development, um, there are clearly challenges in bringing these linkages about, um, and those are differences in worldviews, conflict between identities, uh, and divergent attitudes and behavior. But there are also serious opportunities in form of uh, shared moral agendas, um, some substantial overlaps between those agendas, um, mass support to environment and development that is enshrined in many um, uh, indigenous and uh, mainstream faith traditions. Uh, and also uh, certain community-based practices that promote environmental conservation uh, and development. Um, and so uh, I feel very optimistic um, uh, about the opportunities that there are. Um, and so uh, really concluding with um, uh, something that Kofi Annan, former Secretary General of the United Nations, has, has said, uh, people of different religious and, uh, religions and cultures live side by side in almost every part of the world. And most of us have overlapping identities which unite us with very different groups. We can love what we are without hating what and who we are not. We can thrive in our own tradition even as we learn from others uh, and come to respect uh, their, their teachings. Um, and so finally, I'm going to suggest that um, um, if we replace conflict uh, with, with peace, uh, then it's possible to address the resource scarcity uh, and it's possible to then address uh, adaptation or mitigation to environmental um, degradation. Thank you.